Well, hello again. We have uh, just four more Sundays left in our uh, season of story and sabbatical, and I'm excited to tell you that we have four more excellent guest speakers that will be joining us these next four Sundays. Today, I wanted to introduce you to my friend, Reverend Shannon Stringer. Shannon uh, has known Brian for more than 20 years. They were ordained together in 2009, the very first ordination class after they combined the North and South Conferences. Um, Shannon got to know Brian while Brian was doing uh, youth ministry at the conference office. Her oldest son, Jackson, was a part of a team that Brian was working on. And she shared with me this morning that they're uh, very similar and that they both care very much about youth and children and leadership development. And Brian was very excited for her to be able to speak with us, and so am I. Thank you. Everyone, welcome Reverend Shannon Stringer. Thank you. Good morning, church. Are you today? Mary, I want you to know that you blessed me this morning. We're going to talk a little bit today about context and about how important it is to grow our belief now if you are in a time of celebration and hope for those moments when life is more challenging. And in our world today, it's easy to find challenge. Our hearts are broken for the people of Ukraine. Our churches struggle. Our families struggle. Our schools struggle. Our communities struggle. Our neighbors struggle. But our God is faithful. I'm going to encourage you to believe that. To grow that belief that allows you to know that in the midst of great difficulty, God is present in a meaningful and relevant and life-changing way. That's what we're going to talk about today. And that's what Mary talked about too. I bring you greetings on behalf of Bishop Trimble and the Cabinet of the Indiana Conference of the United Methodist Church. It is my privilege to serve as your Director of Leadership Development for our conference. I offer thanks to Pastor Brian, who, who what Aaron didn't say, because I didn't tell him, um, is that um, he's a nut, Pastor Brian. <laughs> and, um, and I'm a little of a nut too, and we just really enjoyed uh, playing uh, with the youth at annual conference uh, season after season as uh, their various hijinks and energy uh, helped us as we uh, navigated ordination. It is good to be in the house of the Lord for the purpose of praise and worship. And my husband David and I, we thank you for your hospitality. Um, you are by far the most hospitable congregation I have ever encountered while, while uh, traveling to speak. So just, wow. Debbie, thank you so much. Uh, Aaron, thank you. Uh, everybody greeted us. You have been um, excellent, and we really enjoyed the treats at our uh, hotel room last night. Today marks the sixth, the second of the six Sundays of Lent. And our scripture story today takes place during Jesus' journey toward the week of, of the Passion. We're looking at John 11, 11 through 27. I'm going to read it to you. It's not going to be on the screen. We're just going to hold here for a moment. You're going to see it on the screen later. But first, I want you just to breathe in, to have a moment, to settle yourself, and just let the, the word of the Lord wash over you. 
After he, he being Jesus, had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus had fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us go that we may die with him. It was a dangerous journey for Jesus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Can you hear her annoyance there? And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. There are many places in the story of Jesus with his disciples and then Mary and Martha and Lazarus which challenge us today. As we explore their story, my encouragement is for us to ask ourselves, what does this mean to me today in the world that I live, in my community, with my friends and my family? How does it speak to your conviction of who you are in Christ and who Christ is to me? How does it speak to your faith, to your opinion about growing belief, to your views, to your confidence of who you are in Christ and to who Christ is to me? How does this story speak of your and my belief? What is here for you? And first, all lives have context. People live in real places surrounded by real environments with all the blessings and challenges that come with the work and the environment of real life. According to the NIV Archaeological and Study Bible, the home of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, was in Bethany, which is about two miles outside of Jerusalem on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. It's sometimes difficult to know exactly how large or small a population of a given city was in the time that it was written about, but this was small. It's still small. The current census says that Bethany, which is still located right there, worships, worships lives about 16,000 people. I hope they all worship every one of them. At the time that Jesus stayed in Bethany, according to the census, there were about 67 families about 300 people lived there, and it's about a mile and a half away from Jerusalem. It is a small town outside of a big town. Anybody here familiar with that? Small town outside of a big town. That's the context of this story. 
Now, just outside of that, you'll see the arrow pointing to Bethany on the other side of the Jordan. There's another Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, and it's mentioned in the Gospel of John, and that's where John the Baptist ministered. I gave you a map because my geography's not good. Maybe yours isn't either. I just wanted you to see it's not the same Bethany. So the Bethany we're talking about is the one that's very close to Jerusalem. Today, the Bethany of Lazarus is called El Azariah, which is Arabic for Lazarus. The story we're considering today, which takes less than a chapter of the Gospel of John to tell, has such an impact that the excavators in Bethany have uncovered the remains of Christian churches dating back to the fourth century and the preserved tomb of Lazarus. It has been a place of pilgrimage for Christians ever since the event happened. Eusebius, who was an early church historian, and he was the bishop of Caesarea, who lived from around the years 260 to 340, so this is a seriously old guy, wrote in his writings about the tomb of Lazarus and the pilgrimages that were made there. Context. During Jesus' ministry, there was a very close relationship between Jesus and Lazarus and Mary and Martha, the sisters, so close that Jesus makes Bethany the home that he goes to during what we know as Passion or Holy Week. During this time of great testing and trial for Jesus before he comes to the cross, this is where he stayed. Mark 11, 11 tells us that. What I'm hoping that will come from all of this geography and history is that we're beginning to paint a picture of this moment. Can you connect the picture of the place, its relevance, its importance to Jesus, to your place? What is relevant to you? Where do you go for comfort? Who meets you there? How well do you know them? I invite you to take a moment to think about your community, your journey of life. Where has your faith led you? What are the challenges that you name right now? Where do you find your hope? Jesus' friend has died. The death is well established. By the time Jesus arrives, Lazarus has been dead for four days. In Jewish culture, the burial is almost immediate. That stone would have been rolled over, and he would have been alone in that tomb for at least three of those four days. There was no question about the death. Jesus is traveling to a place and a people he knows pretty well, and they know him. Listen again to Martha talking to Jesus in verses 21 through, through 27. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again, and Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last days. Can't you just hear almost the brother-sister type irritation there? Don't tell me the things I already know. I know that. But he's dead now. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, 
Lord, she replied. She does not hesitate or stutter in any way, shape, or form. It is a profound statement of who she believes Jesus to be. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. She knows who Jesus is, and she is not afraid to talk to him. She is not prostrate, unable to look up. She is engaged in conversation. She is telling him her frustration. If you had been here and you weren't that far away, if you had been here, things would be different even now things could be different. She is challenging Jesus. She is pushing Jesus. She is standing up to Jesus because she has a relationship with Jesus. She understands who he is. She is not intimidated, and that is because they are friends. Jesus has called her friend. Scripture tells us we have that same opportunity to be called friend by Christ. He calls you friend. Do you know yourself to be a friend of Christ? Let's take a look at the scripture on the next slide. Do you talk to Jesus about the things of your day, your worries and concerns, your joys, your hopes, your life, our world, its difficulties, our brokenness, our laughter, our joy? Is Jesus a part of your family? your family of friends, those you love, those you share deeply with. Like us, Martha's faith is not perfect. Do you remember where we meet her in scripture for the first time? Jesus is teaching in their home and Mary is with him, soaking in his words and the presence. And Martha comes to Jesus. I think we have a picture of the expression this artist thinks might be on Martha's face. Comes to Jesus and tries to get him to make Mary come help her with all the preparations for the guests. And Jesus chastises her a little bit. Martha is the one who has to be taught, had to learn to lead forward with Christ. She didn't intuitively understand all about Jesus and faith and how to lead as a Christian. It didn't come easily for Martha. I wonder how many of us can relate to that. To being so distracted by all the things that carving the time to really be with Christ, to, to, to settle and focus in, does not come naturally. How many of us have learned to prioritize growing our belief by experiencing the pain of not prioritizing our faith? I will confess before you that I am imperfect in my faith, worrying about this and that, some of which seems to be very important at the time and utterly forgetting to center myself on Christ. About a month ago, our oldest son, whose name is Jackson, he's the one who knows Pastor Brian well. Jackson had a medical emergency. He's fine. He had to have emergency surgery, and I spent about a month at, at his house, away from my husband, away from our home, away from the place that I go to for work, away from my dog, which, you know, I missed my husband, but, you know, away from your dog. And so it was, it was all very stressful and difficult, and I began to fret about all the things that weren't getting done. 
and the things that I needed to do, particularly as Jack improved, my anxiety went up about all the, the things that weren't being accomplished. Can I get an amen from anybody there? Are you, are you in your life, in, in your season, can you identify with the stress piling on of the things that you're not taking care of as new things you have to take care of keep cropping up? So one night, my son, who, has, who turned 28 uh, the day they let him out of the hospital, my 28-year-old child said, um, Mom, what's the matter? I said, I am very stressed. And he said, what are you stressed about? And I said, well, you know, Jack, it's been a lot this month, and there's a lot of things not getting done. And he asked for a little more information. I gave him a little more information, and he said to me, because, you know, he is my child, and he said to me, Mom, how much of that are you going to trust God with, or are you just going to keep it all to yourself? I wonder how many of you can relate to that. How much do you trust God? How much do you trust God? What are you holding on to? What's taking up space between where you are and where God could be? How much are you trusting God? Trust comes from relationship, always. How's your relationship with God? When Martha's first getting to know Jesus, she doesn't even trust him enough to know that she can set aside her daily worries and spend time with him. What's keeping us so busy that we're not spending time with Jesus? Let's hear her again. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And at the end of that scripture, she says, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. This is a powerful witness. In fact, Martha's specific naming of Jesus as Messiah, Son of God, is the most clear, the most profound, the most specific naming of Christ to be found anywhere in the Gospel of John. It is comparable to Peter's declaration of Jesus as the Christ in the other three Gospels. She is the strongest voice, for I am certain who God is, and goes out to meet him in her time of grief and trial, and finds him there and argues with him about what she's going through and what he should do about it. Because she has a relationship with Christ, she has grown her faith over time and conversation and presence. And so this is my challenge today. Do you pay attention to how your faith has grown? Do you know? Is it intentional? Great belief takes intentional relationship development. What are you, what am, what am I doing to grow our awareness of the presence of God? When somebody asks, how is God at work in your life, do you have an answer? Do I, do I have an answer? 
Do we see God at work? Are we expecting to see God at work? Are we looking for God at work? Are we building the relationship? What in our current journey is growing our belief? If the answer is that your current journey is not growing belief, what are you going to do about that? How will we prioritize? I believe it would be remiss for us to close the teaching and the opening of the word today without this. I was in high school in the 80s. I was born in 1965. I remember the Cold War. It wasn't history. I went to school at a time when you practice avoiding nuclear war by hiding under a desk. The tensions in our world today are real, and the grief that it brings is real, and the pain is real, and Mary and Martha's loss was real. Their brother died. Their brother didn't pretend to die. He died, and they grieved for four painful, long days. And though he was called forth from the tomb and resurrected, one day he died again. Because we do not have eternal life. In this season, where things are difficult in our world, where we are broken for Ukraine, and yet the trials of our everyday lives continue, they don't take a break so that we can focus on just one thing. There is never a time more important for us to lean into the relationship with, with Christ, to run to meet him, and to say, what are you going to do? How are you going to help me? Where are you? Then right now. We grow our belief and our faith through relationship. And Jesus will come to meet us and will walk with us and help us and does redeem our brokenness and is our friend and does take us forward. And that is the promise of the context and the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and their friendship with Jesus. And Jesus is a friend of mine and he is a friend of yours. And this is your opportunity, too. Amen? Amen.